The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Well, good morning, church. I hope you're doing well. If you have your Bible, um, you can open with me, find your place to Luke 8. We're going to continue on in Luke this morning, and uh, we are going to look at one of the most well-known parables uh, that Jesus taught. In fact, there, is only four, there are only four parables that Jesus taught that appear in each of the synoptic gospels, meaning they appear in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's only four, and we're looking at one of them. This morning. It's one of the most well known parables. It's rich. We could spend weeks digging into it. So I'm excited for our time together in God's Word. Um, As we dive in, I just, I'd like for us to just right where we are to just stop and let's come to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? God, we need you. Would you focus our minds on your word and would you give us the ears to hear this morning? Would you quiet our hearts and would you speak? God, we need you. God, I need you. Lord, would you speak through me this morning? Your word is true. It is powerful. Your word is good. So would you allow me to speak your truth this morning with clarity? That you and you alone would receive all the glory from it because you and you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all right, as we uh, work through our text, I want you to keep in mind Luke is moving us through a narrative. He's taking us basically from one scene by another, little by little. He's unpacking who... Jesus is. He's revealing little by little who Jesus is. He's the one with authority, the God-man. And so we pick up in our text in verse 1 of chapter 8, and we're going to jump right in this morning. Verse 1, chapter 8, soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, which, by the way, how incredible is that? How incredible, I'm just imagining Jesus, Savior of the world, all powerful, all just Jesus, God in the flesh, traveling from town to town, village to village, sharing the gospel like a traveling evangelist. He is God, and he did not have to do any of this, but he was here on a mission. In fact, Jesus told us this already. In, in Luke 4, if you remember, he said, I must preach the good news in verse 43. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So Jesus was here on a mission, and here he was walking that out. He was living that out. He was going about that work city to city, village to village. But listen to this. The end of verse 1, and the 12 were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. 
Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So you have this scene. It's a bit of a motley crew. If you look at this, and you have the 12 disciples, 12 unlikely disciples. You have this group of ladies and many others, and you have to just stop and wonder, Luke, what are you communicating like, what are you doing? What are you, why are you giving this, giving us this seemingly random description of the crew that was surrounding Jesus? It's, think about this. Luke is clear about something we may take for granted. Something that would have been so odd at this time. Um, Jesus did not select his followers based upon the world's standards. Jesus uh, did not select his followers as the world assumed he would. Uh, We see this, for example, he didn't only select males. We hear that now, we're like, obviously. That was not obvious back then. He didn't only select men to be his followers. In fact, there were women that were a part of the crew of Jesus. And these women, as we see in this text, played a significant role in that ministry, providing for them financially. This would have been so odd in this culture. So odd in this culture. But again, Luke has done this over and over. He has shown the way Jesus was so unexpected. He wasn't what the world was waiting for. He was unexpected. He just didn't fit into the boxes that people wanted him to fit into. He's the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, God of the universe, yet he's this nomadic traveling evangelist with a motley crew of tax collectors, fishermen, women, all coming together. What on earth? This is not what we were expecting. Jesus was so unexpected. In the, we talk a lot these days about civil rights and about uh, dignity of all human life. We talk about uh, feminism, equal rights, and none of these conversations are new. In fact, we see it on display here as Jesus' ministry is getting started. The movement of Jesus was never a homogenous movement. It was never a movement for the elite, the privileged, the special. Was a, the movement of Christ was never any of these things. In fact, we're going to see this morning that the gospel takes root in all kinds of people. All types of people. Because the gospel is a movement based on Jesus. His good work. His, it, his good news. And through the gospel, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Men, women, young, old, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, tax collector, lawyer. All are able to hear, all are able to respond, and all are able to follow. And we get kind of this microchasm of this that's on display here. So with that in mind, let's listen now to the teaching that Jesus gives. It's a unique teaching. It's a unique and special parable. It's unique not only because it's one of the only four that's repeated in the other Gospels, but it's also such a unique parable in that Jesus, after he gets done teaching it, goes, okay, now let me tell you what I just said, what it means. He gives us this interpretation of it. This is very unique. 
In this unique parable, we have come to know it as the parable of the sower. And so let's, let's read this together. Let's start in verse 4. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So here we have Jesus, this rag, ragtag crew, all these crowds gathering from all the towns around them. And he begins to teach, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, no root. Verse 7, some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some, verse 8, fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I love this, verse 9. And the disciples then asked him what the parable meant. <laughs> love that. Here were the disciples that... Um, they knew there was a deeper meaning here. They knew there was something going on here. Um, this couldn't just be farming tips from Jesus. We gotta know. And, and the disciples stopped Jesus and say, now what did that mean? You said he who has ears, let him hear. We have ears, help us hear. Would you help us understand? And, and by the way, what a beautiful moment this is. Because uh, what do you mean, God? What does this mean? Help me understand. Have you ever asked that? Have you ever been there? If you say no, you're either, you either lie or you need to do that. But if you say yes, how incredible is it that here Jesus hears this question and then graciously helps them to see Let's look at Jesus' response. And it should be so much, just great confidence as we come to him and we ask the same thing. So listen to this, verse 10. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Pause. Um, what's the purpose of Parables. Don't miss this, because I, I used to think that they were just clever object lessons. That Jesus would use these clever analogies to help them understand. That he would, he would bring out these farming things, or these sewing things. And he would bring these analogies out, because he's working with a farming community and a fishing community. And he was contextualizing it so that they could hear and they could see. Not quite. Not quite. Parables were used by Jesus not for clarity's sake, not so that the masses would all hear and understand his teaching and understand the gospel. No, it was kind of the opposite. Jesus used these parables not to make the message clear to the masses, but in many ways it was to disguise the message from the masses. Now, that's crazy. Jesus says, look, I'm going to talk in these parables. And for those who have ears to hear, they're going to hear it, know it, receive it. The secrets of the kingdom of God are going to be brought to them. How cool is that? But at the same time, some are going to hear the same teaching. They're going to hear all the same things. And all they're going to hear is Jesus is obsessed with farming. 
Now I know how to throw seeds, and now I know, right? That's all they're going to hear. They're going to see the story, but not see. They're gonna hear the story, but really not hear. Parables then become this really unique tool for Jesus to both simultaneously reveal and conceal. Reveal and conceal with the same words. Reveal to those who have eyes to see and to conceal from those who don't. For the masses, Jesus' words were a oddly timed, pleasant story of a farmer Uh, this riddle of seed throwing. But for those who have ears to hear through the words of Jesus, something incredible starts to happen. They grow in their knowledge of the kingdom of God. They grow in their knowledge of Christ and of the gospel. And you have to find it funny that in this narrative, the disciples are like, well, Jesus, we're your boys. Like We're here. We're supposed to be the ones with the ears. We're supposed to be the one. We're supposed to see these things. So can you help us out of it? In case anyone asks us, can you help us out a little bit? You have to find this funny. We're supposed to have the ears. Can you, can you help us out? I love that. And Jesus now is going to explain this parable. For those who have ears to hear, Jesus says, let them hear. So churches, we turn the corner and we look at the meaning For those who have ears to hear, let us hear. Again, this parable was about a sower throwing seeds, scattering seeds, and as the seeds are falling, they fall on different types of soil. And now Jesus says, listen, verse verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So here the sower is walking along, scattering the seeds, scattering the word of God, scattering the gospel, scattering the good news of Jesus Christ, just scattering it by tossing the seeds all along the earth below. Verse 12. The ones, that's the seeds, along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Ugh. Ugh. I wish this verse wasn't in the Bible. This is heavy. This is, there's a reality, whether we like it or not, that there are going to be those who hear the gospel and who do not receive the gospel. I wish that were not the truth. I wish that this fact wasn't true, that you could share the gospel with two people. Same message, hearing the same thing, share the gospel with two people at the same time, and to one, it's the power of God for salvation. Light bulbs going off, and it's this aha moment of being overwhelmed in wonder of Christ and the truth of the gospel. That's for one of them. And then at the same time for the other, that same message is complete foolishness. Power of God for salvation? Complete foolishness. Complete and total foolishness. How could that be? Is it a problem with the gospel presentation? Is, do we need to change our method? 
Do we need to change the way we present the gospel? Do we need to do a better job of contextualizing it for them? Maybe, but it's much more likely, church, that it has nothing to do with the sower or the seed, but the soil. There's a reality that some are going to hear the good news. They're actually going to hear it. It's not a misunderstanding. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear the words coming out of our mouth. They're going to take it in. They're going to understand it. And as Jesus says, it's not going to stick. The devil is going to come and take the word away so that what is heard is not believed. So that what is heard does not take root. Some are going to hear the gospel and it's not going to take root. Some are going to be hard-hearted, completely cold to the gospel. And I wish, I wish, I wish that that was not the case. But many of us in this room can attest to the fact that that is the case in so many situations and with so many people. We're going to come back to this. Let's finish verse 12. So he says, the ones on the path, that's, that's the ones that fall. The devil comes, takes it away. It's not believed. All right, verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. These don't have root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, fall away. Again, ugh. Ugh. Those who hear the gospel, it appears that they see it. It appears as though they get it. It appears as though they believe it. It appears as though they even receive it with joy. But there's no root. There is nothing, never a root. And although they have it seemingly for a while, there is nothing below that surface. There is no root. We in Stone Oak should understand this. If you were to go outside in Stone Oak anywhere and try to plant something, it's basically rock with a little dust on top. That's what we got. That's what we got. Have you ever tried to plant a flower directly on a rock? Listen, doesn't matter how much care you plant it with. Doesn't matter the, the seed. You might have a great seed. Doesn't matter how much you water the thing. It doesn't matter how much perfect sunlight you're given that thing. There is no root. And over time, it will wither. And some in our community are a lot like the soil in our backyards. like a soil of rocks. And although the, although the gospel may be initially received, even celebrated at first, getting watered, getting daylight, although all of those things are true, there's just nothing below that surface. There's just not a root. And over time, that seed withers. Over time, gusts of wind carry it away. Drive these seeds away because there's no roots to ground it. Have you ever seen this type of soil? Have you ever had anyone in your life that you've been praying for that you feel is a lot like this? You're sharing the gospel with them and it feels a lot like this. This parable is heavy. Jesus says, we have some seeds that fall on the path. 
We have some seeds that then fall on rocks, then in verse 14. And as for, those, as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. Again, ugh. I know that so many of you have people that fit that into this category. These are all the people we share the gospel with. And they hear it. They respond. They join, it. They join churches. They seem to believe. And as the days go by, as the time goes by, as life happens, they just walk away. The gospel gets choked out by all of the other things of life. Whether it be by the trials and the difficulties of their life, but church, let's be, more, let's be honest, more common than that, it's not the trials and difficulties. It's the good times. It's the riches. It's the pleasures. It's the comfort. I have found that the pleasures of this world make far more effective thorns. Whatever it is, though, the gospel is planted. It looks good. It looks promising, but it gets choked by all of the things of this life. And it's absolutely heartbreaking when we see this in our lives. Jesus says the sower is throwing seeds and he says, just as I, by the way, have been scattering seeds in all these villages that I've been going to, scattering, throwing seeds, throwing seeds, taking the gospel, the word of God, scattering it out. And those seeds are going to fall on different types of soils, on the path, on the rocks, on the thorns. But praise God, Jesus doesn't end there. Because there is one other, verse 15. As for that in the good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. These are the ones who hear the gospel. They receive it. It, take roots. it takes root in their life, and it bears fruit. And praise God, church, when we get the opportunity to see that happen. When we get the opportunity to witness that, to see that, to see not only does the gospel change our life, praise God for that, but when we get to see the gospel transform someone else's, praise God for that. Now, I want to highlight a few things, a few important, quick, and probably some obvious things for us to see here. Number one you are the sower. You are the sower. If you are a follower of Christ this morning, you have been, and you've been changed by the gospel, you have also been entrusted with the gospel to share it. For all of us who have brought, been brought into the kingdom of God, now it's yours to be ambassadors of that kingdom. 
Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, but just as you have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. We have been approved by God through the gospel of Christ, and we are entrusted with the gospel to speak it, to scatter it. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. You will be my seed throwers. You will be my seed sowers, my gospel sowers. As a Christian, this is not optional, and it's not a take-it-or-leave-it suggestion. It's a command, a divine calling. It's not if you're going to do it, it's are you going to be a good one? This is you. You are called to walk the path that God has placed you. Wherever that is, whatever that is, you are called to walk that path in your home, your office, your school, your community, your neighborhood. You are called to walk that path as a gospel sower, throwing gospel seeds everywhere. Scattering the gospel, scattering the word of God. You child of God, you brother, you sister are co-scatterers with me. This is our divine task. Jesus is going town to town, village to village, doing this very thing. And now we get the joy of going place to place, relationship to relationship, opportunity to opportunity, doing the very same thing. You are called to walk your path, the path that God has placed you on as a gospel seed sower. You are the sower. Now, as we have that as our foundation, hear me because this is very important. This parable is not about the good throw of the sower, the superior scattering ability of the sower. In fact, it's about the receptivity of the soil has nothing to do with the sower's arm. So the receptivity of the soil has nothing to do with the sower's throw. Take that in. That is a weight that needs to be lifted off of some of our shoulders. The receptivity of the soil has nothing to do with the sower's throw. That is such good news and such a relief of pressure for those who are throwers and sowers. We don't get the picture of a sower walking around um, skillfully throwing seeds. It's just throwing these seeds in a way that make fruit come up from the path. The sower throwing seeds in such a way that roots come through the rocks. Throwing seeds in such a way that that plant's going to overcome those thorns. We don't see the sower throwing seeds in a way that changes the receptivity of the soil. It's not about how great the sower did. The skill of the sower has nothing to do with the obstacles of the soil. Nothing. The sower doesn't penetrate the rock. The sower doesn't overcome the thorns. The sower doesn't chase away the birds that are looking to take the seeds off the path. The sower's responsibility is to scatter the seed. Scatter the seed. And the seed is powerful to grow. 
and the soil's receptivity to the seed is not the result of the sower's skill. And the same is true for us. For some of us, I think we shoulder far too much responsibility. Responsibility is that it is not ours to bear. It's crippling. We have a responsibility as children of God to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility. And I want you to think about it like this. When we stand before Jesus one day, the question is not going to be, how many responded to your gospel presentation? How many of those seeds fell on good soil? No, when you stand before Jesus, the question will be, have you been obedient and have you scattered your seed? Is your bag still full of seeds or have you scattered them? That's what we will be held accountable for. As sowers, we will give an account for our sowing, not the soil. In reality, God may have you placed in a path right now. I don't know if you realize this. I want you to hear me. With incredibly fertile soil, you may not even know about it. You may be surrounded by incredibly fertile, receptive soil, and you could just throw out seed and it would sprout everywhere. That could be you. You could just look at people and say, Jesus, and they could say, I I repent. That could be you. You don't know. That could be you. That might be your reality. However, it may also be your reality that you are walking on a path with a lot of rocks and a lot of thorns surrounded by them, and God has you there. The soil might just be hard. Listen, in both cases, scatter the seed. In both cases, scatter the seed. Don't stand before Christ at the end of your day having a seed bag still full. Scatter the seed. The receptivity of all that soil has nothing to do with you or your ability to throw the seeds in a skillful way. Let me just follow this out before I move on. I think this needs to be said because I think there are so many of us wearing responsibilities that aren't ours to wear. But listen, more fruit does not make you better. Less fruit does not make you worse. We can wear it as a badge of honor when... Look, 30 people just accepted Jesus when I sneezed, right? We can wear that as kind of a badge of honor. It's nothing to do with you. And yet, you could be toiling and sowing and just working hard, scattering seed, and you could see nothing. It could be nothing but rock around you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Throw as much seed as you can. Throw it all. Stand before Jesus with an empty bag. Leads me to the third thing. All right, listen to this. It is not up to the soil or the sower to self-select where to scatter the seed. It's not up to the sower to self-select where to scatter the seed. This is so important because it's such a temptation. Listen, follow with me here. It is such a temptation as we walk our path to take a seed put it gently between our fingertips and to walk our, ski, our, our path just looking. Looking, holding our seed in our fingertips, just looking. Where is it that I think would be good soil? 
just examining it, you know, just like following it out, looking for that good, looking, looking, oh, that looks good. No, no, it's a little too close to thorns. No, it doesn't quite get the sunlight it needs, right? You're walking around with your seed and you, you look and you're like, you know what? This is stone oak. There might be rock right under that. I should hold on to this. And we can just walk and walk and walk. And I don't know if you've seen one of these or used one of these, but they're awesome. If you haven't, go get one. It's, it's strangely fulfilling, all right? But what these are, this is a seed fertilizer sprayer, right? I don't know the official term for it, but that's what I'm calling it. So you hold it, and there's this, there's this crank, right? And it just literally will just spray seed everywhere. Just, just spray seed. And I want you for a moment to think of yourself more like this. Instead of the one holding the seed, think of yourself a little bit like there's a hopper here that you just fill, right? right? And you just walk and, and just recklessly shooting seeds, shooting it in your dog's eye, like just shooting them, right? right? I want you to think about yourself like this. Everyone who's ever used one of these things, I know you've also faced the temptation to turn too quickly and it like binds up. It gets all, maybe that's just me. Um, but there's a certain joy in seeing seeds just covering your, your yard, right? Um, listen, this is our job. It's not our job to determine which soil seems worthy enough of our seed. And let me just be honest with you, you don't know what soil is around you. You don't know what soil is around you. You don't know if you're surrounded by good, fertile soil. You don't know if you're surrounded by thorns. You don't know. You are terrible at figuring it out because it's not your job. It's not your job. Here's my point. For the sake of the good soil that is around you, for the sake of the good soil that may be around you, scatter the seed. Blast them with this crank and just scatter the seed for the sake of the good soil around you so that the gospel will take root in as many as possible, that it will bear fruit in their lives. Scatter your seed because you are the sower. They're the soil and they will give an account. The seed is the word of God, the gospel. You are the sower, sow the seeds. I wanna push this a little further. I want you to imagine with me again that you're the one holding the one, right? There's this temptation when you're the one holding the one to find a little spot of soil and kind of dig it and plant it. You think you got it, and then you spend all this time watering it, and you cultivate it, you poke it, and you get impatient, right? And you're just watering it and taking so much ownership of this thing. Like, it's a reflection on you if this thing grows. And if it dies... That's also a reflection on you. Um, the green thumb people, right? And, and you're watching this. You're taking ownership of it. You're watering it. You're prodding it. And then it dies and you think, oh, I'm a failure. There's this temptation to take all credit for the success of the blossom and all blame when that thing withers. Now I want you to imagine a different picture. 
want you to imagine there's a massive field and I want you to imagine that each of us have one of these. And we're walking around and all of us take out one of them, hold it here, and we're walking through this field to find our spot, right? We're all doing this, all of us. We're just walking through this field and we're putting our spot. That's scene number one. Now, I want you to imagine a different scene. I want you to imagine we all have these and we're actually walking in a straight line, just cranking. I want to ask you a simple question. At the end of that season, what do you think the result is going to be? Where are we gonna see more fruit, more seeds, more receptivity? We're gonna see it when we all are just going out there cranking seeds. I want to encourage you. There is a time to carefully take a seed and kind of flick it where you see something good. There's a time for that. But I want to challenge us as a church to think more in terms of a seed sprayer gospel philosophy where we're not taking credit for the growth of someone else. We're not taking blame Instead, we're sowing. We're sowing, and we're trusting God with that. Listen, last year, we did an initiative that I loved, and it was called Who Is Your One? I love this. It was so simple. Uh, What it was is we took a moment, we took several weeks to pray, and we asked that God would show us, place someone in our life that we could share the gospel with. It was simple as that. Uh, we were clear, though, as we, as we walked into this Who's Your One initiative, that this was about sharing the literal message of Jesus Christ with a literal person. When I say that, it, it, it wasn't about just inviting them to join you to church, which you should do that. They're going to hear the gospel here. That's awesome, right? It's not about that, though. It's also not about just having them into your home over dinner. That's also great. Hospitality is wonderful. But this initiative was directing our attention to understand that it's our task to share the gospel with our words. So we prayed, God, would you lead us to someone that we can share the gospel with? And this initiative stretched us, and it was wonderful. And I know that for some of us, it was the first time that you ever shared the gospel. The first time you ever intentionally scattered a seed. I loved this initiative. It's the Who's Your One initiative. I loved it, and I believe God used it, but I want to challenge us again this morning to take another step. The Who's Your One initiative was a wonderful grab a seed, solo, and plant. It was a great, and we need to keep doing that. It's a single seed scattering initiative. But how can we this morning grab one of these and start just cranking seeds out. What would that look like? This morning, I want to ask you not just who is your one, but church, this morning, I want us to start to ask ourselves, who are your many? Here's what I mean by this. Who are your networks? Who are your circles? Who is your community? Who are the collections of soil? 
that God has in his sovereignty brought around you. Who are your many and how can you scatter gospel seeds right there in the places God has placed you and planted you? We can afford to be much less selective with our seed scattering because we don't have a shortage of seeds. And we never will. Our job is to scatter the seed, not to assess the soil. So how can we better grab one of these handheld crankers and get to work? Now, um, I am not calling us all to leave this place, go out as street evangelists. I'm not. Some of you might, and that's great. But that's not what I am. What I am saying is God has placed you right where you are in your path for a reason, and you can be a light of the gospel far better than anyone else in this room in the path that he has placed you in. And hear me, I want to tell you something. I'm in this too. Here's what I mean by that. I am not personally off the hook for this just because I get the opportunity and joy of preaching the gospel every week. If the only time I scatter seed is when I have a microphone attached to my face, I have missed it. I am missing it. So how can we, how can you, how can I, how can we better scatter gospel seeds that God has entrusted us with? to the soils that God has placed us next to? How can we, with less prejudice to the soil around us, scatter more generously seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Better cranking out seeds in our homes, in our communities, in our offices, in our schools, in our relationships, in our social circles. How do we do this? Hear me. As we do this, I want you to know something. Some of your seeds are going to fall on the path. Some of your seeds are probably going to fall on rocks. They're probably going to fall among the thorns. But still others, by the grace of God, even when you don't fully know it or see it, will fall in good soil. Praise God that he still works. And that we will get the joy of seeing the gospel take root and bear fruit in their lives. Our task is to throw. Our task is to shatter. And at the end of it, it's to pray the exact words of Jesus that says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We're going to be talking about this a lot over the next couple weeks. Who are your many? Our who are your many Our initiative begins today, and I encourage you to lean in together with us as fellow seed sowers. Let's pray together. God, we want to be faithful stewards of the gospel that you've called us to be your witnesses. And we ask, I ask, Lord, for forgiveness when I fail to obey that. Lord, I confess that all too often, I fail to do this and I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, did you show us this morning how we can be more faithful sowers of your word? Would you show us how that we are responsible to sow, not for the soil? 
you strengthen our faith and our confidence in your word and in your spirit this morning who empowers us as we scatter the seeds of the gospel. God, we pray also that you would give them ears. We pray that you would surround us with good soil. But Lord, even if you don't, we long to still be faithful. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.